1: Hello and happy new year and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything Podcast. My name is Emma. Please do rate review. And subscribe on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Subscribe and like there as well. Join me today is Katie Heindel. Happy New Year, Katie. How are things? How are you? I'm yeah,
0: good. You? Happy New Year, man.
1: Yeah. At, at what point do you stop saying happy new year new year to a person? we were, I was on a work call and we were asking <laughs> about this. Um Some people had very strong feelings about it. Where do you stand? When do you stop saying happy new year?
0: I mean, I give it, I think I give it about a week, you know, for like immediate, whether this kind of like reaching out to people for work or whatever. Um, But you know what? If it's like a friend and I haven't like seen them yet, I'd go like, I'd go as long as three weeks. I don't know. I don't really have shame about that stuff.
1: (laughs) I am kind of in the same boat as well with family, close friends, Uh, people Mm -hmm. you haven't seen uh, too often, or that you really care about, you can you can say it, you know, whenever the time feels right. But for sure, I think it is a little bit overused. Definitely, I think the people on my work call had who had the strong feelings. I think they they're onto something, but also, you know, <laughs> yeah, we just have to know the line with it. um yeah, so good times ahead for the Toronto Raptors. I mean, my God, they're they're healthy and things are going swimmingly, at least in the new year. Over the past four or five games or so, but to start though, um, I wanted to ask you about your piece about Demar Derozan. You published it mm-hmm. yesterday, and it was actually really cool. I really enjoyed the read. I think um, it kind of touched on a lot of things uh, that Raptor fans have been feeling over this past or the course of this season. Seeing his ascent, seeing him get a lot of respect, and I'm just curious why you decided to write it now.
0: Uh well, I mean cuz he's on a heater. <laughs>
1: but true. I
0: think I think that I mean for me just like watching watching the ascension of DeMar, especially the way that he left Toronto and kind of like toiling almost like toiling away, you know, in San Antonio, um which I think like he was pretty unfairly maligned for those 3 seasons cuz he did he, they were great seasons for him. Mm-hmm. Um but I was I've just been tracing this arc of like in August, when that trade went down, how many outlets were reported? Just like, worst trade, you know, like worst trade of the summer, just like, so stupid. Like, what's Chicago thinking? And now you look at where that team is at and like looking like such a complete team, led by DeMar DeRozan. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a surprise. Like if you know DeMar DeRozan, as most Toronto fans do, he's a worker, right? Like he kind of steadily improves himself season over season. And it's not like he stopped doing that. But I think he's just in such a new and unique position as a player in his maturation and his game and him personally. Uh, And I thought it's just very interesting to me because it, it really does seem like a full circle, which is what Uh, the the kind of like imagery i base that piece around and just like what a deserving player for it to happen to so of course there's a a little or maybe a lot of personal bias in it but it is nice to see players that you followed for such a long time you know succeeding and getting the recognition that they deserve
1: it feels like there are so many players who have left the raptors that are kind of getting their shine that Mm -hmm. kind of speaks to how good uh, the raptors have been over the course of these you know 10 years or so since Kyle Lowry uh, arrived, but DeMar, he was drafted by the Raptors. And like you said, he is a worker and he continues to make progress in his game. I think it's, it's not highlighted enough, the ways in which he took steps back in his game, at least on the offensive end when he went to the Spurs and also in his last season with Toronto. He was asked to pass more and shoot less and that continued for three, four seasons where he was asked to do that, to do that and he became a better playmaker in that time. But mm-hmm. like you said, that doesn't mean he stopped working on his game. He continued to make strides this year. I believe he's um, he's shooting his best three-point percentage of his career. And then you add on to that, that he's playing with a star like Zach Levine. I was kind of in the boat to some people who felt like, you know, how is this going to work exactly? Because when it comes to making a championship team, like it does involve, you know, how do you make all these pieces fit? And it takes a degree of unselfishness, sacrificing yourself. And to their credit, they've all done it because they really do seem like they want to make this work. And just Mm -hmm. having like a, a, a secondary player like Zach Levine I mean, he's so talented and I think he's also getting the shine that he kind of deserves. He's been in Chicago for a few years and he is such a legit score. And just having those two working off each other, the way, like I pick and roll between Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, like, what are you going to do? What are you <laughs> going to do? There's there's no solution to it. And you just kind of have to hope for the best. I mean, it's great to see what he's doing. Uh, JV, Kyle, all these guys who have you know, had their time in Toronto, have gone to different places, and now they're getting more national shine, which we're going to touch on a little bit mm-hmm. um, because Fred Van Bleet, I mean, he's getting his shine right now. It's actually been kind of surprising how much shine that he's been given by some U.S. media outlets. But first, um, let's talk about that Bucs game last night because obviously the Bucs, they're missing bud, no Giannis, a few other players as well. And the Raptors got up to a bit of a slow start. Uh, And to the credit of the Milwaukee Bucks, they took advantage of it. But in that second half, they kind of put the clamps on and you could say it was a back to back, you know, finding your legs, something you hear about all the time. We found our legs in the second half because we played last night and travel is a thing. But I guess what are your initial takeaways from their third win in a row? Fourth win in a row. Wow. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's tough to get your head around after, I guess, that last stretch in the season that the Raptors are on a win streak, but we'll take it. Uh, I think once they started actually limiting shots, this went and like really dug in defensively is when things yeah. turned around for them. That's something that you know Nick Nurse preaches a lot. Obviously, is good defense generative of good offense. But you actually really did see that in action last night. Um, I thought there was, you know, there was actually one sequence uh, around eight minutes into the fourth quarter that mm. struck me as like almost a really exciting like precursor of what could come to be. Um, just as this Raptors team and like these five starters stay, quote fingers crossed, healthy and together. Um, Is that like (laughs) Pascal intercepted (sighs) this long pass from Drew Holiday, and then he cranks it back down the court to Scotty Barnes and, Barnes is like looking at Precious Achua who's like making his way into the paint and he just kind of lobs it up really easy for Precious who's already midair, you know, and he's like read that play and he dunks it. And the whole sequence is like maybe three seconds long. But I think Mm -hmm. something like that to me is just the perfect example of the Raptors length that we're always hearing about. You know, we've heard about like leading into the season, the start of the season, this length, the length and like strength of this team. But I think when you actually start to see them, Using that length to work in tandem with each other and along with instinct and good decision making, you know, I think that's what to me I've been waiting to see from this team sequences like that to actually like take advantage uh, of of teams that don't have that. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was just like, I don't know, hopefully, a- again, like a precursor of things to come. But otherwise, just like everyone looked great. I thought Gary Trent Jr. looked fantastic. He had yeah. some excellent reads, I think, for a really good passing. He didn't get out muscled in the paint. You know, he stayed pretty close. to for a lot of like the pop up second chance points that I think the Raptors really capitalized on to turn the lead around in their favor, um, he had that super deep three late in the fourth I don't know if you could hear it on your broadcast but around like 3 40 I think Gary Gary like runs out to the pocket and is turning yeah. to look to see who he can pass to and you just hear Siakam yell shoot it and so it's good that Gary listened to it so communication is yeah. also going great for this team <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I want to talk to you about the starting lineup, the, this core that they have in a moment, but just staying on that actual that crunch time sequence where that shot that Gary made, like that was the only shot they made of their last 11. So there was mm-hmm. a bit of up and downs with it. And I did a piece, um, a video a little while ago, just talking about who should take the final shot for the Toronto Raptors, because it's an interesting question. They have a lot of very talented players, but no guy, for instance, no, not one person who's going to be able to execute regardless of the situation, regardless of who's on him, things like that, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's something that they've struggled with a little bit. At times, they've gone with Fred Van Bleet because, you know, he's this unbelievable shooter, steady Freddie, all that, but then there are also times where it doesn't really work out because, you know, he's not going to be, be able, able to take on, like, a Shea or a Lou Dort or whoever because he just doesn't have the athleticism to do it. Or last night, for instance, right, with Pascal Siakam, they give him the ball at, like, half court, and like, all right, go one-on-one mm-hmm. with Chris Middleton. I'm just like, uh, I'm not sure if that's the way you want to use – Pascal, he was cooking Chris Middleton like all night. So I don't mind the idea of giving Pascal the ball, but it's like, you know, how do you do it? It's to me, it's more like you you bring him off the screen, you find him in the post, he face up, and then you just let him do his work. Like that situation, mm-hmm. that calls for like a Kevin Durant, a LeBron James, someone who can execute in that situation and has the handle and like Middleton he's a good defender right so he's going to be able to to kind of bother Pascal and then you know the double came and then Pascal there was a turnover and you know overall down the stretch of the game I'm sure many were able to see that you know he missed a few free throws um he shot I think oh of 3 down the stretch of the game so it's like oh Mm -hmm. crunch time Pascal here we go but I think that's something that has to be uh, talked about I'm sure they're going to discuss it, like they got some decent shots down the stretch. OG Mr. Three uh, that shot by Gary, you know, we know his shot making ability. There are some broken possessions and Nick mentioned it after the game. That's something they have to clean up. Like you don't want situations where all of a sudden you ran like 15 seconds of your shot clock and you've done nothing. And now it's now it's like, okay, now we're in panic mode. Now you just have to get something Mm -hmm. up. And that happened a few times, but this is still a process with the starting lineup, right? And they haven't played too many games together. They've been very good for the most part, but it's going to take time for them to to figure this out a little bit. But the Bucks game, like, I mean, a win is a win, and you keep on stockpiling these wins together. Yes, some teams are injury riddled, COVID riddled, whatever, but they still matter when it comes to the win loss column. And you just have to make sure you're kind of getting it done. And it's nice to see like them kind of building some momentum here as they look to kind of getting that top six, which uh, is actually more achievable than it was probably last week. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> no?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's like a good – obviously it's been a pretty rough stretch in the NBA overall, you know, mm. and I don't think things uh, are going to stay static and like a lot of things are going to change as players come back at health and safety protocols, you know, and things sort of write themselves. But then you're also going to have teams like the Raptors that are going to do what the Raptors are doing that haven't, haven't really had that like – true start to their season yet due to injury yeah. players being out um and just gelling on the floor so i think there's going to be even more changes but i also don't think that what we're seeing from the raptors now um is a fluke by any means i think like this is what we raptors fans have been waiting to see uh, yeah. out of this team so i mean enjoy it
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely Absolutely. Enjoy it. Um, We even like tease about the length, like you, like you mentioned earlier. And Mm -hmm. I think we weren't able to really see it in its, in its true existence until they got healthy because you had players playing at a position. They are asked to do more than they probably should have, but now you have your starters. It's OG, it's Scotty, it's Pascal, it's Gary and it's Fred. And that's Mm -hmm. where you see the shot making takeover um, that shot readiness, the offensive mechanics, the ability to read plays on the fly. And, you know, last night they scored 102 points and they shot 48.6% their starting lineup. And overall, um, they're outscoring their opponents by 5.9 points per 100 possessions. So that starting lineup, like this is where it's supposed to be. And what I love about the starting lineup is that there's such an unselfishness about the way that they play. Like there were a few games ago where, you know, Gary's in foul trouble, but he only shot like seven times. And then all of a sudden next game, comes around and now he's bringing the ball up the court and they're involving him more on the offense. So, I mean, they all got the contracts. If you don't have that unselfishness sometimes when it comes to what they're trying to do, when you have so many players who are able to create their own shot, like that's when you have broken possessions. That's where you have, you know, unorthodox shots going up that probably shouldn't go up. And that happened last night. I mean, I recall a few times where, you know, OG maybe took a few shots where he probably shouldn't have, but he hadn't shot in a little while. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen because he believes in himself and he absolutely should. He's shown us already how good he is, but it's going to like that level of unselfishness, the, the ability to kind of put your team first is so crucial. And it's kind of like they're getting to a point where their, their offense, at least with the starting lineup is like, how, how are we going to beat you is going to be depending on your deficiencies. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like with that starting five, I mean, I think first, starters they're very good
2: (laughs) um you've got like Mm
0: -hmm. the team's best three and longest tenured players playing together who like know how to work together at this point are basically just completely intuitive of one another uh and then you've got like gary Trent jr who i think you know he's shown how much of a sponge he is Uh, i think he's he's shown that he's a helper he's got great ingenuity he's smart. He reads all these gaps, you know, really well between between plays and, and figures out where he can fit to help everybody when he needs mm-hmm. to, or to just like take the shot when he needs to too, you know, to touch on something you said earlier. I do trust Gary Trent Jr. like in the clutch to take those shots because there's like a real finesse about him um, that I appreciate because that is not something super familiar to the Raptors. Um and then, you know, like in someone like Scotty Barnes, he's a force. Right. Like he's this kind of combust combustive engine, I would say, behind this lineup with like energy to spare. Similar to Trent, I think Barnes has shown he's such a sponge. Um, He struck he struck what I think is a pretty rare balance between smart and bold that's tough for a rookie that shows in his Mm -hmm. decision making. But I think he's also not scared of making mistakes. And I think the team is in a fantastic position to allow him to make mistakes as a rookie, uh, which is crucial to his learning process, right? And just improvement overall. But I think more often than not, he's shown that he's capable of making the right decision. I'd say like not even four times out of five, four and a half times out of five. But (laughs) it's just, uh, it's very exciting, right? Like this is the lineup we've been waiting to see all season. Uh, And it's finally here and you see that it was really worth the wait. But I also think it just shows skill uh, and again like ingenuity and just like a real feel and chemistry for one another. So I think like they've shown also they they're very good at being disruptors and like figuring Mm -hmm. out good mismatches, you know, with opposing teams. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think again, I'll just I'll go back to my earlier point is they're very good.
1: They're, they're very maybe good. Maybe
0: that's what works the best with the starting yeah. five.
1: <laughs> they're they're very good. And it helps that they're they're kind of getting into some kind of, you know, they're finding their roles within the team. Um, Fred, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to like a team that's playing drop coverage, right? Like that's where Fred takes over. Or if you don't have anyone to guard Pascal Siakam, who is clearly now being defined as the the A one option throughout the mm-hmm. game. And you know, the strides that he made he's made in his offense, you know, he's He's so much better than he was last season, and we didn't know how he was going to come in, right? He had shoulder surgery, and that's nothing to scoff at, and you don't know how that's going to impact a player, but the growth that he's made in his mid-range game, it has transformed what he's able to do on the offensive end in every which way because before, you know, he only had he had so, so many limitations. His three-point shot wasn't there. His mid-range game was kind of up and down, and the dribble combination that he's able to create his mid-range shot is what kind of separates some of the best players in the NBA because all the best offensive players are able to create in the mid range. Right. That's just, that's like, that's a no question. You have to be able to do it. If you're not able to, then you're probably not one of the best offensive players anyways. Right. But now he's able to kind of make that happen. And when, you know, teams are crowding him, he's still able to get a a good shot off and he's able to make them now, which is it's such a big element to, you know, what he's going to be able to do on the offensive end. And I, we saw it yesterday with the, with the bucks game, like Middleton struggled with Pascal because now like you can't sag off him a little bit because he's making the mid-range shots and I get a little bit closer and guess what now he's taking you in the post and with that now you have Pascal as your A1 guy you have Freddie's going to be able to execute in whatever way that you need him to And we're going to talk about that in a second then like OG and Scotty if you have smaller players we saw it with that Spurs game if you have smaller players who are probably not going to be accustomed to playing in the post guess what that's where you're going you are going in the post and they're okay with taking, you know, three, four less shots. If it means that they're going to get a better shot and like their secondary assists are up, their pace is better. Their effective field goal percentage is better over the past three, four games. And that all of that is just about them, their willingness to just find whatever ways they're going to be able to beat a team. And I'm sure like the coaching staff, they do such a good job. Pascal has talked about it. Fred's talked about it. It's like, they do such a good job of preparing us for every single game that all we got to go out do is go out there and just make it happen. And if we don't, then that's on us. It's not on the coaching staff. We just have to make sure we're doing our job. They do their job and we're going to do our job.
0: That execution, that execution has just been a huge thing that, I mean, it's tough because you can't really coach it. You can prepare players for it. As you say, like you can give them all the tools. You can watch film. You could get the reps in and practice, but something has to click with every Mm -hmm. individual player. And I think that's the toughest thing. When you talked about Pascal, uh, especially on Middleton, It's funny, like there was a time when I think Pascal Siakam didn't necessarily understand or use his strength to the best of his ability or even seemed to just like hesitate yeah. and hold back and I i don't even think that's due to recovering from surgery which is obviously that if there's a reason to hesitate it's that I'm even thinking of like seasons prior mm-hmm. right but now you see him in a matchup like that and he doesn't really back down whatsoever yeah. so I think that that's a certain part of the execution as well and I think like this new like we're always like oh it's a new Pascal it's a new Pascal but it really does feel like something new has clicked for him where he kind of understands all the tools that yeah. he has and all the ways to deploy them in game.
1: A few weeks ago, I recall Nick nurse uh, and Pascal had a conversation and Nick told us about this, that he said that he needs to face up mm-hmm. more and, you know, do less back to the basket because he wasn't seeing what was happening around it, whether it was a double, whether it was a cutter coming, he was missing things. And we've seen him do actually more of that. Mm-hmm. He's doing a lot more face-up. And now we're seeing him, he's not missing like that, that beat where there's an open pass available. He's not missing it anymore. And he's finding the players on the baseline, mm-hmm. you know, in, or on the corner for a corner three, or if, if it's Scotty, for instance, you know, curling around the basket because Scotty's such a good off-ball mover. He finds those little avenues, right, for a pass. And uh, he's doing all of that now. And once that's happening, now it's another element to your game where you're making the team think like, huh. Now we got to be careful with when we double Pascal because he's finding the open open shooters and also the composure when a double does come. Like I think past experiences probably Pascal was kind of overpassing Like he wasn't willing to just like bring the defense mm-hmm. to him, lure them to him, use his gravity, then make the pass for a wide open layup or a wide open shot. He was maybe doing a little bit too quick, and so that's that to me. That's a comfort in the situations and. All of this is going to help them be a much, much better team in crunch time throughout these games coming up here. they got the Jazz and Suns coming up, two very challenging teams. Um, I don't think the product that we're seeing with the Bucks or with the Raptors are right now is going to be what they're going to be at the end of the season because I think they're going to keep on growing. And like we talked about, this is such early days with this starting five. They're going to keep on getting better. Um, So that's why I'm actually excited to see. how. but they fare against the Jazz and Suns because those are two very good teams, two teams that'll get into you defensively who all obviously they pose different challenges on the defensive end with what they're able to offer you and they execute at a very high level. So how are the Raptors going to counter that? How are they going to handle it? It's, it's a very good test for them. Um, now that they've got themselves back into like that top six race, I think they're seventh right now and they're about a game and a half mm. back. It's like now you can kind of not not relax a little bit, but now you're like, okay, um, we can use some time here just to kind of figure things out just a little bit with our starting five. And that's going to help them be a better team in March and absolutely in, in April, exciting times. It's, it's kind of seems like they've really turned the corner a little bit with what they're going to be for the rest of the season. Uh, Let's move on to Freddie Van Vliet. We talked about him a little bit, and I think it's worthy of talking about him a little bit more extensively because I, mm-hmm. I find that he is now, like, over the past five games or so, he's shown, like, his flexibility as an offensive player. Fair enough?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, what, 48% mm-hmm. I saw on catch-and-shoot threes. He's made, I think, he made 18 of 33s going into, like, from the last three games going into that Bucks mm-hmm. matchup. His shooting is just so clean. It's just, like, clean, clean, Swishers. clean shooting which has been fantastic to watch. And then like, you know, personal best assists, scoring and rebounding, like all that stuff doesn't hurt either. But yeah, his offensive game, it's just like, it's gone to a whole new yeah. level.
1: Um, with the cash and shoot threes, um, I think that's like an element where – we look at Fred of who he, who he was when he entered the NBA, and I asked him about, uh, about understanding defensive reads when he came into the NBA because this is like a couple of months ago when we saw that a lot of the rookie players, they were asked to do a lot more, and they were struggling. On, on defense mm-hmm. and I asked him about like what did he do to get himself game ready because he was like that from the get-go. He was wasn't missing anything. And he's like, brother, it's like if I didn't know it, I wasn't going to play. Because remember he, he came on when the Raptors were a really good team. So if he wasn't doing the things that the coaching staff were asking him to do, he wasn't going to play at all. And so Having that kind of like in like in his back pocket, that experience where he had to, you know, obviously not just the defensive end, but also on the offensive end, you know, be an off-ball mover, do the mm-hmm. small things and execute at a very high level. So now that's made him such a versatile offensive player when he's being put in a position now where he had to do, you know, a lot more point guard play. And some people felt like he wasn't really ready for it. How was he going to do it? Is he going to be able to be a good enough playmaker, yada, yada, yada? And then he was doing it. Right, he was doing it nonstop throughout the season when the Raptors were kind of injury riddled, and now he's at a point where he's kind of reverting back to that player that he was kind of because Pascal, like the what he is on the offensive end, like you can't, you have to use it, and now he's now he's being mm-hmm. asked to be a player that you're an off-ball cutter, you're an off-ball mover, you're a screener, and I think that's where an area that isn't really appreciated is that Fred, as a point guard, he's able to do so many things that probably most point guards in the NBA aren't willing or capable of doing when I'm talking like screening and cutting and being that off ball mover. A lot of them like, A, they can't do it or they don't have the strength to do it, but Freddie can do it all, which is incredible. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, I think a lot of that comes from the tenure of being under Kyle Lowry oh, for yeah. so long obviously as as someone you're you're looking to to study but I think a lot of that if you want to touch on what we were talking about DeMar DeRozan earlier like comes from Fred Van VanVleet being a worker mm-hmm. consistently right um and like how do you get known as one of the best point guards in the league when you don't really have the lights out shooting capabilities of like a staff or a dame right like you need to do those things that other point guards aren't necessarily willing to do and round out your skill set by figuring out what's going to set you apart so he's done that i think like you made such an apt point of the fact when he had to shoulder so much of the burden when a lot of his teammates were out you know this season and now you're seeing him kind of shift quite fluidly back to having that like he's still playmaking but you know Now you're seeing him be so generative of the offensive energy and on the offensive side of the floor for the team. Which, I I mean, it must be a little bit of a relief, right, to have like the weight off your shoulders of being like taking a breath and be like, "Okay, I don't have to do everything now. I can just kind of like pick my moment and shoot." Gives you some of the best results. I think like sometimes pressure to that point, like pressure relieved, gives you some of the best results because you've been preparing up to that Mm -hmm. point. Um, But I also think that Fred Van Vliet just has that quiet work ethic um, like throughout his game at all times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I appreciate his in between game too, is that he's, he It's like, it's an interesting quality to be able to like be calm when you're like, six foot, foot tall you're under the basket and you got so many big players just like seven footers barreling down on you and there's so much traffic and he's just like doing his little like harlem globetrotters thing just dribbling around doing making circles and then he, <laughs> he finds a way to get a mid-range shot off like there's a calm there there's a steadiness wow i can't believe i said steadiness steady Freddy. You've i know for
0: it he also did have that great blog oh, my. last night you know, in last night's game.
1: Holy.
0: <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. Kind of perfectly. <laughs> Very brave yeah. player, too. He's
1: uh, made comments about, you know, how a lot of the blocks, he gets a lot of blocks, but they're really steals. But for some reason, the NBA awards them as yeah. blocks. And you say, like, you know, you're taking away my steal category. That's my bread and butter. But last <laughs> night, that was like, that was a block. That was a Jack Armstrong, yeah, get that your gobble daddy here. That's what that was. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Truly. All-Star voting is coming up. Actually, the first round is being released uh, shortly um, today. And then the next round is, I believe, mm-hmm. on the 13th with the All-Star voting rounding out on the 22nd of January at uh, at midnight. So we're going to see how things go. Obviously, I think with the Raptors, I mean, I think Amon and Yasmin, they're going to do a podcast later on today. So you guys can check out that. They're going to go a little bit more in depth with uh, how things are going to round out for, 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 for Fred um, when it comes to the All-Star game and what his options are prospects could it really happen but overall they just need to the Raptors need to get higher in the standings that's kind of what it is they keep on doing that and Mm -hmm. you know his numbers speak for themselves and it's been very interesting to see a lot of U.S. media outlets using like putting graphics of Fred Van Vliet you know this is what he's doing over the past five games this is what he did last night 33 12 and 5 look look at that look what Fred Van Vliet's doing I was like wow what is what is this where am I where am I what (laughs) <laughs> what dimension am I in that a, a player like Fred Van Vliet, not even like a Kyle Lowry, someone who's well-established, or even DeMar, you know, back in his day with the Raptors, someone who's well-established, like Fred's kind of coming on. Yes, he's a champion, but in this role that he's in now, like his numbers are comparable to what Kyle Lowry was doing in his peak years with the Raptors. But that's happening this season. There isn't like mm-hmm. this years of experience where we're seeing him do it. He's, not, he's like, He hasn't been an all-star yet either. But it's been kind of surprising to see all these people really giving him his shine. Why do you think that is? Why is this happening this year, Katie?
0: (laughs) I mean, I think the Raptors winning four in a row has helped. Like, I honestly think, I mean, I know part of it is uh, like competition and this attention span, this idea of like the attention span in the NBA being so short. And I think hinges so much on immediacy. Some of that is recency bias. Some of that is just like competitiveness Mm. in a league that, you know, especially this season. Positions are shifting quite frequently and rapidly and I think much more than they have in past seasons. So Toronto looking being and looking competitive again, which I want to make clear are like two totally different distinctions, uh, but I think that's really helped. I also think like maybe much to its chagrin it does help the nba to promote a rising star like to make van vliet a rising Mm. star figure even if toronto fans understand you know he's been on this steady incline for years but it's good for broadcast like cross market i think it's good for page views it's good for everything in that marketing sense to intro like it's very annoying as a as a toronto person because you're like what do you why are you introducing this guy Like, this guy's been around for so long now. Um, But I think, you know, at some point, stubbornly, the wider discourse, if you want to say that's led by ESPN, if you want to say that's led by a lot of these, you know, um, bigger publications, had to catch up, you know, and get on the same page with Van Vliet, I think, as the rest of us are. So I'd say, like, that's probably the more boring optics (laughs) and, like, broadcast Mm. parts of it. Uh, but of course, it's it's deserved. I think it's completely deserved. You know, I think I saw Taylor Rooks tweeted something about like she disagrees that the rep like with what Nurse said that the Raptors need to get some wins in to get Fred kind of climbing up the stakes. She thinks it comes down to player yeah, performance. Yeah. And she thinks Fred Van Vliet is totally deserving of that, which mm. of course you and I will echo too, so it is nice to see there are also smart people out there that recognize uh, his work as an individual just as much, um, if not more, outside of what the team is starting to accomplish
1: again. And I'm with her too. I think it's kind of ridiculous that a team's record does factor into if they're whether whether a player is an all star. Like I remember a few years ago, Bradley Beal was having like an insane season, right? And he wasn't an all star because very well, the w- Wizards weren't mm-hmm. doing very well, and. I think it's uh, yeah it's a, it's a misstep in the NBA with what they how they view uh, NBA voting for the All-Star game but that's neither here nor there um but what, kind of what you talked about with Fred getting his shine now I think it's important to kind of keep in mind too that you know, this has been the shine for the Raptors has been a little building like year by year. You talk like the championship, um, even Tampa,
2: mm-hmm.
1: how that happened. And now in getting uh, Scotty Barnes as well, these are like three storylines that are kind of very individual to what the Raptors, their franchise. And so kind of attention to what they're doing day in, day out has been kind of rising just a little bit year by year. And now you get to this season and then you get into, you know, winning four games in a row. Um, the different style in which they're playing, which I think kind of caught a lot of people off guard. All this factors into people is paying more attention to what the Raptors are doing. And when you do that, you're Mm going to see that Fred Van Vliet. Oh, wait, he's like 25 and five. He's doing it uh, at his height. Very few players in Raptors history and the NBA as a whole are doing what he's doing. So yeah, you should pay attention to Fred Van Vliet. And I'm happy kind of that, uh, that Nick Nurse has made the decision to, give Scotty Barnes backup point guard minutes. Um, just want to touch on that like real quick yeah. because, you know, bless their hearts, Delano and Malachi, they just weren't be able to be <laughs> as consistent as they probably need to be. And if you're looking mm-hmm. at the Raptors as a whole, at what they want to accomplish this year and next season, Scotty Barnes, rising that part of his game as being like that point forward or whatever his his position is or kind of embracing that Marcus Hall role as like a person who may only get like 6 points, 6 rebounds and 6 assists but has a massive impact on the game, I think that's probably better off for the Raptors of what they want to accomplish.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think it really holds to the fluidity that they're trying to really like temper out of Scotty Barnes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and like the fluidity, I think that the, the it, it seems like Masai and Bobby and Nick Nurse are trying to coach out of this like for a structure and then coach out of this roster. I think, you know, Scotty has that experience from high school and a little bit in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes really great reads already, he's, as we've talked about. I think he occasionally gets ahead of himself, but again, like that's to be expected, but like a bit it's
1: good because he's creative. He's creative. That's why. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you, you have to, you have to be comfortable trying things if you're going to play point, and part of that is going to be messing those things yeah, sure. up. <laughs> but then you learn very well and deeply what to not do again, you know, or how to to slightly tweak things to make them work for you mm-hmm. better next time. Um, we've talked, our I think like we did not talked today, but you and I have talked about this before. But he really has that knack for letting the game come to him for waiting, yeah. which is also something I don't think Jelano Benton necessarily has yet right like i think he's just a bit more kind of rangy and reactive um than scotty Mm -hmm. barnes is he's he has that kind of patience um and willingness to wait you know and as you said like just touch on something you said before use his gravity you know and and kind of let the game come to him uh and i think you know it's going to keep things fluid it's going to keep things really interesting it's going to keep the raptors lineup's disruptive which is going to just be a really key component in them staying competitive especially against teams that are bigger or stronger or shoot a little bit better those mismatches are going to count for Mm -hmm. everything so by all means like getting scotty kind of up to snuff in this role if that's the way that nick nurse wants to go i think it's it could be hugely beneficial for the team
1: yeah i didn't say it earlier but the reason why it's beneficial to put scotty as your backup point guard is because you can trust him more and that if you trust him more that means that fred can yeah. be on the bench more and he needs to get his minutes down that's obviously that had to happen and so it's great that that happened and uh for i guess overall with um the raptors i mean you want to play your best players even if, even if it's your players off the bench and Cam birch chris boucher precious achua those are your best bench players and I mean, a few players are missing from there because they're out right now, uh, Utah, uh, Svee as well, but you want to play your best players. And if you're kind of like hamstrung by the fact that you need to get a point guard, some kind of point guard, aka Delano or Malachi, then you're not putting your best product out there. And that's really important. And mm-hmm. Scotty, you know, being that guy, it's uh, it's going to help the Raptors Grow in a lot of different ways, and he's already guarding point guards, anyways. So it's you're not kind of like getting into like mismatch area because he's already being asked to do that. So I'm I'm a fan of it. I think it has to happen anyways. Um, it's gonna help the Raptors be a better team this year and especially next year, where I think that is a year that they truly do make a run for a championship. That's just me. That's my opinion. This year, however it goes, they're gonna be a good team. I think they are gonna get in that top six if everything goes well they stay healthy but next year i think is a year where they make Mm -hmm. some noise and like real real noise katie closing thoughts or shall i let you move on with your day
0: i mean i'm with you i'm with you on making making noise i guess we're gonna look at things at the at the trade deadline and see what happens right there's like a huge question mark i think uh, like shaped like Goran Dragic in terms of what the team is looking you Miami to, Goran you know, get in return for, <laughs> him, for
1: I can't him. believe he was practicing at but, the facility. You know, sorry, but that's, that's insanity to me.
0: Yeah, no, I saw that oh, too. Yeah. I was kind of like, dude, I've just been like, not rooting for you, but I've been defending you a little yeah. bit, you know, like in public. And now you go and do things like that, like, I can't, like, I'm just no, yeah. no comment. Like, I can't, I cannot no, speak that's for That's a whole that different topic. Um, yeah. yeah, but you're right. Like this is, we're, we're seeing now like flashes of a deep, like a deeply competitive team and what I think they can look like. The fact that they are hopefully like ahead of schedule, uh, like an, an on track more than we mm-hmm. thought they'd be in what was just supposed to be a developmental season. I think bodes really well. Um, yeah, overall, it's just, uh, it is a great, it, it's like finally nice to, to to like heave a bit of a sigh of relief yeah. about the Raptors.
1: Well, similar to Goran Dragic, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Katie, thank you very much for joining me. <laughs> I had to get one in there. Just one. That's the only one I'm going to say. Um, Katie, thanks so much for joining me. You can find her on Twitter at WTEVS, which I learned recently was actually just at whatevs. And you can find me at um, mm-hmm. underscore man. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com.